You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. My name is Megan Pitcock, and today I'm speaking with Phil Kirpin, president and founder of American Commitment, a nonprofit advocacy group for the betterment of America. Thank you for coming on. Anytime. Recently, a survey came out from American Commitment of voters 55 and up on healthcare concerns and the Inflation Reduction Act and AARP's advocacy activities. Uh, what prompted the survey to be done in the first place? Well, we've had a uh, recurring problem when we have these major national health care debates, uh, going back at least to Obamacare, if not earlier, which is that uh, AARP weighs in with enormous lobbying muscle, with an extremely well-known brand, just with mandates in a way that, uh, as a conservative, I find disturbing, because they're almost always pushing things to the left and pushing the interests of the Democratic Party and uh, perhaps most significantly of their corporate partner, United Health. And this was really evident last year with the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which uh, took about $280 billion out of Medicare prescription drug spending via price controls and spent it on things like you know, solar panel subsidies and uh, electric vehicles and all the other things that were in that bill. And it seemed obvious that um, a true seniors group would not support something like that, and yet AARP was the lead cheerleader for this law. And so what we're trying, what we, uh, we're trying to do with this survey was to kind of uh, see – what older voters really thought and, uh, the, uh, and, and how that compared to the advocacy that was being done by AARP, but also to find messages that were resonant, that would work uh, with older voters so that we could show them to conservatives and to Republican candidates and say, look, you, know, you don't need to run away uh, from you know, the Inflation Reduction Act or from health care debates more generally. You've got these winning issues, these winning messages, uh, if you can lean into them. And we did, in fact, find a lot of winning messages in this poll. What are some of those key findings? Well, we found that, uh, first of all, seniors were generally more concerned about insurance-related costs, premiums, deductibles, co-pays, than they were with the cost of prescription drugs, which is totally contrary to what you've seen in the national media and in sort of the political debates. And I think that largely stems from the fact that AARP is in the insurance business, and so they don't want to talk about insurance costs. They only want to talk about prescription drug costs, and uh, so that was an interesting finding. Um, Some of the others, 85% uh, of older voters think that Congress should not divert money intended for Medicare prescription drug benefits to pay for unrelated spending. And it actually went up to 90% told us they were concerned about uh, Medicare drug savings going to tax breaks for electric vehicles and solar panels and the other unrelated spending that was in uh, the Inflation Reduction Act. So just overwhelming numbers. You know, you could have a debate about whether price controls are a good idea or not. I think they're not. Um, but what almost everyone agrees on is if you can actually find huge savings in Medicare prescription drug spending, and med- it, it ought to be kept in Medicare. It ought to be shored up in Medicare or passed on to seniors in Medicare. It should not have been taken out for unrelated federal spending. Those were just overwhelming numbers. We also found that about 80% of older voters are concerned that the price controls in the Inflation Reduction Act and cutting you know, $280 billion in drug spending will lead to a loss of new cutting-edge medicines and cures. So they, they do not think you can take that much money out of Medicare drug spending without getting fewer drugs, which is pretty common sense, but that uh, message was not widely conveyed in the media. So we were pretty impressed that that many seniors agreed with that and, and kind of get that idea. Uh, that compares with only 14% who actually think that their drug costs are going to go down under this bill. 55% actually think they're going to go up. And so 
and on the most basic level of kind of the approach of having the government set drug prices and as a way to reduce uh, drug spending in Medicare, um, you know, we've got 80% of seniors think that's going to lead to fewer new drugs available to them, and uh, only 14% think they're going to pay less. And so this is an issue uh, where the, the Democrats who voted for this law really should be very vulnerable on it uh, if, you know, if they face pushback. What are some of the key findings on specifically AARP's advocacy activities? Yeah, we asked a lot of questions about that also. Um, about 85% of older voters are concerned that the majority of AARP's revenue comes from their deal with United Health, not from their membership dues. Um, about 90% are concerned that they've been taking billions in royalties from United Healthcare while lobbying on issues like Medicare changes that can benefit. United Healthcare. Uh, about 80% said that it's a conflict of interest straight up. Uh, about 88% said that AARP should not have supported the Inflation Reduction Act if the Medicare drug savings were used to pay for unrelated spending and tax breaks. And of course, uh, that's exactly what that bill did. So that was a pretty astonishing number. And you know, I thought the the biggest number that we got, and I, I don't even think this, I don't think you'd get 95% of people to agree that the sky is blue, but 95% of voters in our survey thought that AARP should be required to publicly disclose its financial relationship with United Health in its advertising and lobbying on policy issues. So that was a pretty overwhelming number. And uh, just for, for folks to understand how this works, um, anytime uh, somebody's in, a, in a, an AARP-branded United Health uh, Medicare plan, whether it's a Part D drug plan or a Medicare Advantage plan or a Medigap a supplemental plan, when, when you pay your premium every month, United Health skims 5% off the top, and they send that to AARP. And they, they make about $800 million to a $1 billion a year uh, through that 5% skim that they're taking off the top, which, is, by the way, is why they don't want to reduce premiums, because they make more money when premiums are high. Uh, they're not focused on insurance costs really at all. Uh, they're acting like that's not an issue, and they focus only on uh, drug costs. has been their big hobby horse. But... Um, you think about what big business that is. Uh, for for their five percent to be eight hundred million dollars, that means United selling sixteen billion dollars in premiums in these AARP branded plans. So it's an enormous, enormous business for them. And you know, you're talking about eight hundred million to a billion dollars. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of money in the business world, but it's an astonishing amount of money in the political world. It makes AARP the largest, most influential advocacy group in terms of its ability to spend big, and uh, the spending goes pretty overwhelmingly to one political party. We did an analysis. There are about 100 members of Congress that they did uh, advertising and events and praise and that kind of thing in last year's election cycle. Only one of them was a Republican. So uh, this is uh, very, very tilted. And uh, they've got this ability to essentially mint money with this 5% skim and uh, you know shovel it back into advocacy. And so um, it, it's a problem. And one of the you know, one of the interesting things about our survey is, you know, voters, when they're told about this, they overwhelmingly agree that it's a problem. And so this is, I think, a big opportunity, um, you know, for conservatives and for Republican candidates to explain this and to push back on it. And it, it will resonate with voters. Yes. So that's what I was just going to ask, actually. How is the survey, uh, how can it be used going forward? Well, I hope that... Um, 
I hope that Republican candidates will see this, and uh, you know we've circulated it on Capitol Hill, and we've kind of you know tried to get these slides in front of people. And you know, I appreciate you giving me the chance to come on your show, and uh, perhaps uh, some people listening will be able to use these numbers. But the point is, you know, don't be scared to talk about Inflation Reduction Act and to talk about health care issues. Um, you know, we we've kind of assumed, I think, uh, conservatives have generally assumed, oh well. You know, drug price controls are so popular. Let's just change the subject and talk about something else. And there was almost no, um, there's no almost no offense from Republicans on this issue in the last election cycle, and uh, that's a big mistake because when one side presents their arguments and the other side tries to change the subject, uh, the side that tries to change the subject loses an opportunity. And in this case, uh, it's a really good opportunity to say, no, wait a second. The way that that bill worked, the way that the so-called savings were produced was through government price controls, which are going to lead to a lot less new drugs being available. And they didn't even use the money to shore up Medicare to pass on to seniors. They rated it for unrelated spending. And the only reason you saw a ton of advocacy messages supporting it from AARP is because they make money from the insurance industry and they have a conflict of interest. And I think hitting those three bullet points on this would really put the people who voted for this uh, in a losing political position. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as going back a bit for the more general key findings outside of AARP, how can older voters move forward? How could they use in- this information? Well, I think that um, I think people need to do their own advocacy to the extent they can that they have time to do so, and you know they've got to be they've got to be calling Congress themselves. Don't count on uh, don't assume that a group that you're part of is doing that work. And uh, I think that you know when it comes to price controls, they're very they're uh, you know they have a certain allure, right? Well, the government's going to set the price lower, and that'll be great. I'll pay less. But, you know, every time price controls have ever been tried, uh, we have the same problems. You have, you have shortages, you have scarcity of black market activity and so forth. And when it comes to prescription drugs, the idea of the, the government setting prices um, will almost definitely lead to fewer drugs being available. We've had, I don't know, seven or ten cancer drug trials that have already been canceled since this law passed because basically, you know, if you spend all the money that it takes to develop a drug and to bring it to market, now you've got to worry if it's too successful the Secretary of Health and Human Services will be able to set the price and you won't get a return on capital and you won't be able to justify all those investments. And so it's very corrosive. And so I think people need to advocate against kind of the, uh, you know, the allure of price controls. Um, But I also think that, um, you know, seniors need to look for alternatives to AARP, especially if they're on the, the sort of the conservative side politically. The, the, when you buy a, an AARP United Medicare plan, 5% 5% of your premium every month forever gets skimmed off the top and sent to AARP for advocacy that's largely contrary to your interests and does not it does not align with your values and helps almost exclusively Democrats. And so uh, if people are in these plans, you know, I know it's a little tricky. you got to find a plan that your providers are in and so forth, but I would look very seriously at uh, switching to a different plan that doesn't have that 5% skim going to, you know, left-wing political advocacy. Again, going back a little bit, can you explain more specifically what the Inflation Reduction Act is? Yeah, this was the this was the big bill that was passed uh, last year. Uh, it would sort of started as Build Back Better, and then it got scaled down, and they had negotiations with Joe Manchin, and uh, eventually what passed was a bill that had two major sources of funding. One of them was a uh, new corporate book value tax, uh, so a tax hike on businesses. The other 
was this raid on Medicare uh, through prescription drug price controls to take about $280 billion out of Medicare drug spending. And then they took the pot of money uh, from those two revenue sources and they spent it on mostly on Green New Deal type spending. And so there were vast new subsidies for wind and solar and hydrogen and you know all kinds of various favored uh, energy technologies as well as you know uh, electric vehicles uh, and sort of a grab bag of other things. They also uh, extended supersized Obamacare subsidies that were supposed to only be during the pandemic, so that kind of directly goes to companies like United Health. But uh, by and large, it was you know a, about probably you know it's hard to say. The original score was that it was something like a trillion dollars of uh, spending, but it's probably gone up. Uh, because the amount of the, the cost of the green energy subsidies has gone up pretty considerably, but this was the sort of the um, so kind of the scaled back, build back better, and they put this ridiculous name on it. Joe Manchin basically said, "I'll vote for everything that I said I was against, but you've got to rename it Inflation Reduction Act, so I can say that I was taking on inflation." So that's how it got that name. But uh, this was kind of the big, the big, you know, kind of tax and spend, Green New Deal, build back better, whatever you want to call it, uh, that passed last year. Mm-hmm. Um, how is there a way sort of in the future that ARP can the ARP itself could take this data and switch it or is it too focused on you know the, making money well they're they're you know they were they were very dismissive they uh, they just put out a statement basically attacking me and my group and ignoring our, our uh, findings I think they've got an extremely lucrative arrangement, and uh, they've got a lot of power and influence, and they're not likely to change course. And so I think that the challenge that we've got is, you know, how do we prevent them from, uh, you know, controlling the outcome of federal health care debates and uh, causing bad outcomes, as they've now done repeatedly. And so I'm not sure that we can convince them to reform themselves. I'm just hoping we can expose them enough to maybe reduce their influence and win some of these, uh, you know, healthcare debates. What do you think the disconnect with ARP and sort of the seniors says about, I don't know, the general state of things themselves? Well, I think it shows how, um, I think it shows how organizations that might be founded initially to represent uh, a, a group of people eventually uh, advance their own interests uh, more than the interests of the people they were supposed to represent, and that certainly has happened with AARP. And the interesting thing is that it was foreseeable. In fact, the New York Times uh, back in, I think, 1996 had an editorial uh, when AARP did their first corporate royalty arrangement, which I think was with a company that's not even in health insurance anymore, and they basically said, look, uh, they're not going to represent the interests of seniors anymore now that they're in the insurance business. They're going to represent the business interests of their corporate partners. And um, they were absolutely right, And but but because the interests of their corporate partners have been aligned with Democrats uh, for the last 15 years or so, uh, media outlets like the New York Times won't criticize it. They're okay with this arrangement, and so they've never gone back and said, you know what, we were absolutely right. It turned out exactly the way we warned it would, uh, even though that is, in fact, what's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of, again, going forward, is there, you know, you mentioned looking at alternatives, being more informed, but um, as far as within the government, like within Democrats, Republicans, what should Republicans do with this information? Well, I think there are sort of two ways uh, that they can 
use this. Uh, well, well, first of all, obviously politically they can use these messages to win elections. But I think in terms of policy, um, I think stronger disclosure would be very helpful. So they could say, you know, in Medicare programs, if you're buying a Medicare plan uh, and there's a, a royalty arrangement, it's got to be clearly disclosed with the amount and the frequency. The way it is now, it's like a tiny print thing at the bottom that says there's a royalty, but it doesn't say that it's every month and it doesn't say that it's 5%. So I definitely think they could strengthen disclosure requirements, which, as I mentioned, is something like a 95% issue. But, you know, it's hard to pass laws. I know that. But um, they could also largely accomplish the same purpose of uh, disclosure just by talking about this and shining a spotlight on it and, uh, you know, bringing it up at hearings whenever AARP testifies and sort of making it well known that, uh, you know, if you buy one of those products, there's that 5% skim because I think most people don't know that. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like transparency is one of the biggest things to come out of this. As far as the insurance concern versus the sort of drug prices, can you explain more of what that means? Yeah, well, there are a few different provisions in Inflation Reduction Act, but I think the one that's the most harmful is this provision for, uh, in, they call it a negotiation because that word pulls well and it's good for headlines. Uh, but it's not a negotiation. It's the Secretary of Health and Human Services setting the price uh, for basically the, the 10 most successful drugs. And so, you know, it, it creates a really perverse kind of incentive because right now, what drives most of the private sector research and development into new drugs is this idea that, you know, if you have one that's a huge blockbuster and it's really successful, it's going to make, you know, some enormous amount of money, and that will justify all of the other drugs you develop that either didn't pan out at all or were, you know, for for you know, a limited number of patients or a rare disease or something like that. So those blockbusters really drive a lot of the research and development. And uh, what, what if you say, now, the secretary of HHS, is going to set the price for the most successful drugs, is going to basically chop off the upside, uh, make it so that those, those, those big home runs are not home runs anymore uh, because government's going to come with, with price controls. It really disrupts the incentives for research and development and the whole sort of drug ecosystem. And uh, you know, one analysis uh, from Thomas Phillipson at the University of Chicago found that the expected decline in private sector investment in cancer drugs because of these price controls is about nine times larger than the amount of government money that went into Biden's cancer moonshot. And so when he says, you know, we ended cancer the other day, well, no, you, you ended a lot of cancer trials, though, by imposing price controls and, uh, and disrupting the incentives to develop these drugs. And I think at least a dozen cancer drug trials have been canceled since this law passed. And so it's one of these classic instances where Government thinks they can make something less expensive just by you know, setting the price. Um, but when you do that, uh, you cause severe market disruptions with negative consequences. And, you know, with most products, like when government put price controls on gasoline in the 70s, the shortages were obvious, right? There were lines everywhere. Everyone knew that there were shortages. With prescription drugs, it's a little bit uh, more complicated because the marginal cost of producing one more pill or one more injection is usually pretty low. Um, what so what you get shortages of is not the drugs that already exist. By and large, you get shortages of new drugs. You get shortages of development uh, of new drugs. And this was acknowledged by pretty much everyone in the debate last year. The debate was over how large this effect would be, uh, how many new drugs would be prevented uh, by imposing price controls. Uh, but we're definitely seeing this effect. And what, what I found really interesting is, you know, I've been making this argument. I've seen other people make this argument. I think it's a true argument. 
But I was amazed that 80% of older voters agreed that there are going to be fewer new treatments and cures as a consequence of price controls in that bill. So this is an argument um, that does resonate, that people do understand, that you can't have government arbitrarily uh, lower prices without adverse consequences. And then finally, what are some of the main takeaways, I guess, that general voters should have from this sort of research or findings? Well, I think the, um, the, the takeaways are, uh, and it's a lot of things we already mentioned, but I'll, I'll sort of try to summarize. Um, the interests of older voters are not being represented by AARP. They've largely fused their interests with the largest for-profit health insurance company, United Health, and with the Democratic Party, and they've created uh, kind of a, a loop of, uh, of, of uh, funding and advocacy that advances their interests but doesn't necessarily advance uh, your interests and probably is actually contrary to your interests, especially if you're a conservative. And uh, we had a really clear uh, example of this in the way Inflation Reduction Act worked last year because, uh, you know, government generated a huge amount of savings in Medicare prescription drugs through price controls, um, but the money was spent on other unrelated government spending and you know, tax breaks and giveaways to green energy mostly and so forth. Um, you know, that's pretty indefensible. I mean, even if somebody loves price controls and believes in them and supports them, uh, they would probably think the money should be kept in Medicare or passed on to seniors in Medicare, not spent the way it was. And so I, I think the, uh, the takeaways are that what happened last year got very little scrutiny because the media was on board with it. And it really, I think, um, is an opportunity for conservatives to, to push back and to make some arguments that are, that are pretty clearly winning arguments. You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. My name is Megan Pitcock. Today I've been speaking with Phil Kirpin, president and founder of American Commitment. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. To learn more about what we talked about today or other issues that American Commitment addresses, go to AmericanCommitment.org. Once again, you're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. (laughs) 